0: So what I spent a few minutes doing was actually making sure I enlarged the text from a from 11 up to a 16, so I could see what I was going to be reading. Uh, but what it, what it made me think is this: as I've got older, my eyes have got weaker, right? But I tell you, my vision has become so much clearer, right? I just believe that as we, and I I also believe as well, and for those of us that uh I mean I was sixty last birthday, so I've got a good number of years to go yet. There's a few of us that are maybe a bit further advanced than that, and we get weaker. You know what I believe? I believe that's just get, that's God just getting us ready to go home. And the reason why is because we need to be weak in ourselves and just fill full of his spirit, so we can just go in and be Jesus with God and just be there. And and, and not in our own strength at all, but in the strength that comes from him. And that's why I sometimes think we're so weak. I saw my father pass away last year, and he was so weak at the end. And I just think we need to be that place, because that's where God needs us so we can move in. We're starting a new series of talks. Uh, I don't know if it's come up. But it's, I don't know if you can see it, but it says weak but strong. Okay? And, and below that it says, uh, you won't be able to see it, We need to change that to black, but the fragrance of life, and it comes from death. I believe that's our death, death to self, right and and what we're we'll going to be doing over the next three months is exploring in depth Corinthians two, right? right the way through, and it's interesting because what Paul does right at the start of Corinthians two in, uh, in, in one eight to ten, he, he puts a stake down, and he makes it really clear that it's in this weakness. That we find strength and, and it, so what i 'm going to do first of all this morning i 'm going to give you an overview of Corinthians and where we 're going to be going with this over the next few weeks. James is down next week, and he 's going to start at at one and start moving through corinthians i 'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks' time, so my my preaching slot got moved up a little bit, okay, so we 're a little bit out of sync and i 'm going to be looking at two uh, going into three all right so but what I want to do first of all is give this overview of Corinthians, and where the Corinthians, well, who were the Corinthians, right? Why was Paul writing these letters to the Corinthians? But I want us to, to look at the, the, this, this sort of stake that Paul put down at the beginning of the Corinthians, and then at the end of Corinthians. Okay? And he and says this in Saint in, 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 uh, Corinthians 1, 8-10. and we and he will deliver us again on him, we have set our hopes, and we will continue and he will continue to deliver us and And right at the start, what Paul wanted to recognize was that he was at the point of death, doing what he was doing, but through that there was strength and then right at the end of Corinthians, okay, he then says, and this is in in chapter thirteen, for to be sure, Jesus was crucified in weakness yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we live with him. And so it's out of that weakness that we live with Jesus, that we live in that power. And right the way through Corinthians, so that stake is put down at the beginning, and then it's put down at the end. But all the way through, it's almost like you've got this set of flags that's put across cross or a washing line that states certain things. And each piece really becomes clear. So in, in and I, you don't have to try and look at the, all these up, but just to get a, a glimpse of it. So it tells us that uh, comfort comes from affliction, which sounds totally contrary to what we'd expect. It says that sufficiency is brought about by insufficiency. We go further in, it says life is through death. Blessing is through suffering. Salvation is through grief. It then goes on to say that abundancy is through poverty. And boasting is through hardship. And in chapter 10, one of the key principles where where Paul talks about the thorn that's been in his flesh, he says power is made perfect in weakness. And that's where Paul was. So when we come to looking at some of these chapters that we're, we're going to look at over the next three months, Paul was in a place where he knew his weakness. Right? He knew that he had the you know poverty of... You just think about what Paul had done in the past and how he had to live with it. And he'd been putting Christians to death, for goodness sake. And he had to go on and live with that knowledge. And he says, in, in other parts of his letters, he says he's the greatest of sinners. He recognised where his weakness was, so that's what we're going to be looking at, and 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 I really do believe that just how we live this life and how we go from a young man where we or a young woman where we feel strong, it's right, so often in that period of time. In here we're weak. I I look back on my life and I look back twenty years ago. That point when I had twenty twenty vision, by the way, or twenty twenty sight. My goodness, I, I felt strong. Right? I felt certain. I knew all the answers. Right? But my goodness, was I weak. And got what God wanted to do. for the last 18 months, I had a condition called PMR, polymyalgia rheumatica. And boy, have I been weak. <laughs> it's made me that place where, and I've, I've never, you can ask Nikki, since I was like 14 years old, I've never had any illnesses until about 18 months ago. And I've been brought to this point of absolute weakness. I get to 3 o'clock and I think, where's all my energy, gone? Somebody sort of drained it from me. But I feel so strong in God at the moment. Right? And that's where I want to be. And I, and I just recognize that I'm not saying, by the way, that God wants to do that to us. He wants to be in full health. But sometimes when we're going in our own strength, my goodness, we, we, we just seem to not let God have his way because of our own strength. And, and, and so he wants us to be healthy. He wants to bring healing. He doesn't want us to be in pain. And I, I know over this last year that the small group has been praying for me. I've been healed in so many ways. after have been praying for me. The, the, the pain has been going. The fatigue has been getting less. Right? But through that time, I've been learning of God. You know, we, you know, a number of years ago, we had a really strong company. And within a couple of years, it crashed down to the floor. And I tell you, I was so confident in who I was at that point in time until it came crashing around me. And and I just felt God said to me very clearly, Tom, this needs to die so that you can actually, what happens next is is from me and not from you. And that's where God wants us. You know, the problem is, and I'm sure we all sense this, is that old man, that old strength, I sometimes feel that like I can come back alive again and, and take charge. And I can sometimes do a better job of it than what God did. And I've got to say, whoa. Right? Wow. So that's the, the, the main message that's coming through Corinthians. And, and we want to look at that message you know, a bit deeper into, into the verses I'm going to be looking at. But before I do that, let's also have a look at the Corinthians. Who were they? What were they about? Where is it? Anybody know where it is, by the way, before we put some maps up and you can find out? Anybody know where Corinthian it, Corinth is? Greece. Yeah, it is, it's Greece. Yeah. Anybody got a closer idea where it is? Yeah, it is South Greece. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's free. And, yeah. And actually to the west, it's about 50 miles west of Athens. Okay. Do you mind if we just... Oh, there we go. All right. So, so where this this spot is, you may not be able to see it too clearly, but that's what. Greece, so this is the Mediterranean here, and at this side you've got the um, Mediterranean Sea that comes up along this side, and you've got the Aegean Sea that comes along here. Okay, and if we get a bit closer into it, what you'll see is you've got this spit, you've got this land that joins. We call it isthmus. It's like Christmas, but without the okay, the isthmus. And and in, in that piece of land there, that's, that's where Corinth is. And it was an incredibly wealthy city. The reason why it was incredibly wealthy is because it had two harbors. It had one that served the Mediterranean and it had one that served the Aegean Sea. And, and, and way back, you know, around about 500 B.C., they actually built a causeway that actually went from the the Corinthian side or the um, Mediterranean side, and it went right across, only four miles, but it went to the other port at the other side, and they were able to then, so what they would do is, some of the small ships, they would just take them out of the water, and they would push them along this causeway, and they'd launch them again in the other side. So they had the wealth from both taking the goods in from the Mediterranean, and from, from the Aegean Sea. Incredible. But coming with all that wealth, all that power, came lots of other things. Right? They were strong. They were a strong nation. And out from that, this wealth, came a lot of uh, immorality. In, in the time when they were building that causeway, they had about a 1,000 prostitutes that were, were from the temple of Aphrodite. And they used to be in the in, in the town. And that's the type of city it was. And then around about 146 BC, Rome went in there and they totally raised it to the ground. Right? They, 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 were, they were trying to resist Rome and Rome said, you're not going to resist us. And they absolutely flattened it. And for around about 100 years, the only people who lived there were just a few settlers. Yeah? A few people who didn't have any homes to go to. And they they would just stayed in that area. And all the wealth was gone. And in 44 BC, Julius Caesar decided to set up a colony there. And he named it after himself. It was a colony of Julius Caesar of Corinth. And at that point, what he did was he actually allowed a lot of free men and free women to go and colonize Corinth. So these were people who didn't come from money. They didn't have the, the past experience of the wealth behind them. They'd been slaves, the majority of them. And this, he, he set them up in this place. But from that point, from 44 BC to when Paul was there, 55 AD, it became incredibly wealthy again. These folks just wanted to make it work. They wanted to make it work for themselves. They wanted to make it work for the children. Do we feel that sometimes we want to leave a legacy, right? And and you know we we've been blessed to live in the in the West and we have so much going for us. That's exactly what Corinth had. You know there, there were people, there were entrepreneurs. You know they were selling their wares. There were there were sailors coming in and the boats and the harbors. It was just an incredibly busy city. You can see why Paul was attracted to it. It didn't have all the really sort of ingrained traditions that other places had. It was dynamic. It was a place that was growing. And Paul, through revelation from God, must have thought, this is a place we need to build a church. But along with that came the problems that come with Corinth. The immorality, the belief that we can do this in our own strength. That's where they were. How are we much different? You think, you know, when you think when I say we, I don't mean individually, but do you think when we look at our world and the culture we live in now, are we much different? Yeah, we talk about weakness. Any idea what the most favourite funeral song is? I know that's Mick Macabre. I did it my way. Wow, I did it my way. And and it's it's a powerful, and I can imagine. A lot of these Corinthians were singing "I did it my way" when they got to the end of their their life. You know, I won't sing it. I'll do the first and last verse. I know. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. And then he goes on to say, "For what is a man? What has he got if not himself? He has naught to say the things he truly feels, and not the." the words of one who kneels. The records show. I took the blows. I did it my way. Boy was I strong through life. Boy was I strong through life. I just wonder what God says to him on the other side. Yeah? Because if we go through that place where we go in our own strength. We just frazzle up. Because there's nothing left. The only thing that is there. Is just dross, and it'll get burnt up as we go through. And what really survives is the stuff that is solid. And there's, there's I don't know he's familiar with the, the poem Invictus, and it's become quite famous because Mandela said it. And, and there's lots of good sentiments in it. But, and again, I can imagine the Corinthians really sort of connecting with this verse. I mean, the 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 the, the chap that. Um, Wrote this. I'm trying to figure, uh, get his name here. He, he'd gone through some real troubles. You know, he had to have a, a leg amputated. In fact, Robert Louis Stevenson, and if you, you know, Treasure Island, the, one, the, the, the one-legged pirate. <laughs> I'm not even doing the pirate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can see, you can imagine it. Well, this, this, this chap who actually wrote Invictus, he, he um, Robert Louis Stevenson, modeled the character on him. He was, a, he was a big gruff guy, red beard. I'm going to say anybody's seen a Game of Thrones one with a big red guy, you know, red hair guy and beard. But it's just a really gruff character. And uh, but he had to have his leg amputated when he was about 20. And, and through that darkness of time, he, he wrote this poem called Invictus, which a lot of people really sort of love. You don't share. And sometimes people even sort of suggest it's It's almost like some Christian thoughts. But just listen to what's said here. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. My unconquerable soul. Then goes on to say, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I remember being that person. I am the captain of my soul. (laughs) What a mess I make of it when I become the captain of my soul. But some people don't. Some people in the strength, they become incredibly successful. But they lose God on the way. My issue was that God had got his hooks into me and he wasn't going to let me go. He was going to stick with me. and, and, And through those times when I felt I was a captain of the soul... All the time, God was saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. And he brought me to weakness so that I could see his strength and his purpose. The Corinthians would have loved this, you know, these songs. Just in the same way in the West, we love these songs and these poems. Or Some people love these songs and, and poems. But I want Jesus to be my captain, right? I want my fate left in his hands, not in my hands. That's where I want to be. So, that's the context of where we are. We're in a place where we're looking at weak to be strong. We're looking at where Paul was talking to. a, a, A group of people who were strong in themselves. But really weak in God. And as a church, quite weak, Paul had to spend a lot of time with them to get them past where they were because they 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 were still controlling what was happening within their own lives there was it, it, within the church there was immorality happening there were people vying for for position and so it was a just incredibly difficult place for people to really flourish as a christian we said theres there's actually we said that there's actually um, two letters, and there are two letters in um, in Scripture, in the Bible. And those two scriptures, or sorry, those those two letters that are there. In actual fact, there was four letters that Paul sent. You, you see, in in Corinthians one, he talks about a previous letter he would sent them. So that was the first one, and then he he wrote Corinthians, first Corinthians. And then in 2 Corinthians, it refers to another letter called the severe letter. The severe letter written in tears. We don't get to see that. We don't get to see that. You don't get to hear everything that God said to me over these years. Because some of that was personal. But I tell you, some of it was severe. Really severe. And I had to listen to what God was saying to me. Now... I think that's why that letter doesn't exist. Because what God is saying to us. That stuff is between you and I. That stuff is between you and I. It's not for other people to know. But I'm dealing with it. And I've dealt with it. And he doesn't want us always to to, to to wash. Now I think I believe he wants us to be transparent and open. And, and I, I've shared the things. But the point is. He wants to build us up. And through what, what survived through scripture are the 1st Corinthians and 2nd Corinthians, and there's so much learning to get out of 2nd Corinthians. I think if we'd have read what would have been that severe letter, we'd have thought, oh my goodness, how do we go on? But Paul met with them in person. He dealt with them face to face. And through that, they started to grow. So, what are we looking at today? If you've got your Bibles, anybody... Got the Bibles or well, do you want a Bible? Do you want a Bible? If, if you're looking at the Bible, it's it's about four millimeters in from the back if you've got this Bible. Okay. And if you look at page it's one one six zero is, is where we're looking at. And we're going to second Corinthians, but it's two twelve to seventeen and then three one to six. That's what we're gonna be looking at today. I just want to set up first of all the context of who the Corinthians were. And, and the overall message that comes from from Corinthians so let's have a, a read at that. Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphant procession procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and for those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death and to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letters written on our hearts known and read by everyone you show that you are a letter from Christ the result of our ministry written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not on tablets of stone but on tablets of the hu- of human heart such confidence we have through Christ before god not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves but our competence Comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills and the spirit gives life. Where a powerful message is there. So that's mean to us. And the first first thing I want to to pull out of that is right at the start is Paul's confidence. He has such confidence even when he does something and it doesn't work out as expected. What gave him that confidence, do you think? Just think that for a moment. What, even though he got to Chaos and he, he, he just couldn't get peace of mind, why did he have confidence about what had happened? Why did he have confidence to say goodbye and move on? It was because he'd done what God had told him to do. It wasn't his responsibility about how it worked out. His responsibility to do what God is telling him to do. And that's where we need to be. If we're in that place where we're doing what God is telling us to do, we can have confidence. We're not responsible for the results of it. We're responsible to do what he tells us to do. That's the first thing. And if anybody in the room is here thinking, You know, whatever in life is is, is you're faced with, and it's not turning out the way you thought it would turn out. Ask yourself, first of all, well, am I doing what God is telling me to do? Now, if the answer is, is, is no to that, you need to get right with him and sort that out. But if you're saying, yes, I am, then don't worry about it. Move on. Listen to what he's saying. And Paul very quickly said goodbye and moved on. But as he's moving on, right the way through this, what is he doing? He's preaching the gospel. He's sharing the gospel. And when I say preaching the gospel, he's not stood up here like on a Sunday morning preaching like I am now. He was going out and meeting people, working with people. He was sharing the gospel. And he shared that gospel with confidence. And, and th- this thing about the aroma, I always think about coffee when I think about aroma. Anybody else think that? Just a lovely smell of coffee. But this, this isn't the smell of coffee. This is the smell of life. And not the smell of death. I see Matt here thinking, you know, I, 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 <laughs> we, we, me and Matt work together. and I'll tell you, Matt likes his coffee. Yeah? But those beans, when you first smell them, they smell so great. right? The, the, the point I want to make about that is we can bring fragrance. right? And the first person who smells that fragrance is God. Right? He just says, boy, that smells great. I can smell Jesus. And, but, you know, when we're ourselves, you just think, oh, that's a stink. Right? Oh, my goodness. And it's a smell of death. Now, if we, if we actually are, are in Jesus, we'll be an aroma to God. The other thing is, we're an aroma to other people as well. We smell fresh. Right? Fresh in Jesus. Now, again, Paul talks about this word, sincerity. Let's see, let, I'll just check this. Anybody, any idea what sincerity, if you go back to the root of the Latin, what sincerity means? When you take that word S-I-N, not sin, but if, if you, you know when you're buying it overseas and you're buying some water and you want it without gas? What do sorry? Without? It, it does, without. Sarah. Wax. Without wax. Paul says, without wax. (laughs) I want to tell you this. What does that mean? The point is, a lot of of the porcelain that was being made at that time, if it had cracks in it, what would happen is they would actually fill it with wax. And they they, they used to label, the the ones who had the good pottery, the good statues and ceramics and so on, they would actually label it without wax. And what Paul is saying, you you get what you see. I am who I am. And the thing is, if you you bought some of this uh, porcelain, you could hold it up to the sun. And you can actually see the wax in it. That's like us, by the way, folks. But we're held up to the sun of God. And he can see right through us. And we don't have any wax in our lives. A couple of things just before... I want to you know but this is like I said it was a, a bit of an introduction, so a couple of things just to to mention before we finish. The other thing that it talks about is it's written on human hearts, not on tablets of stone, not on tablets of stone now we're going to look further in this in this new covenant when we go on to the, the next few verses, but I just want to make this point here: there was hard stones. There were soft hearts. The law revealed weakness. The spirit brings life. If you want to see how weak you are, just try living to the law. And the Jews, when, when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, what were the Jews celebrating? They were celebrating something called Pentecost. And this was 50 days after Passover. And on that day, they were celebrating getting the Torah, getting the law. That's what they were celebrating at Passover, sorry, at Pentecost. That's why all the Jewish people were in the city at the time. And isn't just good of God that what he did was, on that day, when they're celebrating the law, he pours out his spirit. Now, we have a choice. If we're strong in ourselves, we'll say, I can do this myself. And we'll try and live to the law and it'll bring death. But if we go the other route and we say, I want to live in this new covenant relationship where by his spirit, I live through his spirit, I live. I'm weak. Fill me. That's where I want to be. So, folks, I just let's just pray.